I want you to think back to the year 2011. I don't know what you were doing, but in 2011, I had a four-year-old boy and a two-year-old boy and a 30-something-year-old boy. No. Um, <laughs> anyway, and I decided it was time to get fit. I wasn't planning to have any more kids in the near future, so I thought, now's the time to get fit. So I thought, the best way to prove that I'm fit is to run. I think Nathan was running at the time, so I thought, he can do it, I can do it, I'm going to run. So one day I decided I would get out and run. So I got my hat, very important. I got my active wear, including my sun shirt, also very pretty. And I headed out the front door. It's really hard to put that on. Okay, went out the front door and I decided that I had this plan, you see. I was going to learn to run one kilometre. That was, that was my first goal of running. And I thought to myself, if I can run one kilometre, that will prove I'm fit. But today, my first day, I'm just going to run 250 metres because that's, that's much more manageable. So I walked out the front door, I headed down my street, walked to the corner and turned the corner and in front of me I had my goal to run from one corner past another street to the next street. I was ready to go. So I started running and I ran and I'd love to tell you I ran and ran but I didn't. I got to 40 metres and went, oh my goodness, I'm not very fit. And I was tired. I kept running. So I kept going. Another 10 metres later, I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't do this anymore. And I had to stop because I was out of breath and I realised that I really wasn't fit at all. Now, right in that minute, I had a decision. Would I keep on running, have a break first, and then keep on running? Or would I turn around and go home? So my question for you this morning is, if you were me, what would you do? Would you keep going? Put your hand up if you would keep going. Nice and high. Well, there are a lot of people who keep going in here. Put your hand up if you would have quit. Well, I was with the quitters that day. I decided I was going to quit. It was too hard, I wasn't fit, and I really didn't want to put in the work that was needed to get fit again, so I went home. Now, as you can see, I did not persevere. And today we're going to look at the idea of persevering and... Before we do that, though, we need to find out a little bit about what does this word mean. So if you can have up on the screen, we'll have the word persevere. You see that it's a verb, and a verb is a doing word. So you can't persevere in running while you stand still. You actually have to do something. And then underneath, I've got a couple of dictionary definitions for you, because they're always good. And it says, continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. It means steadfastness. I had difficulty with running, but I didn't keep going, so I didn't persevere. Another dictionary says this, to persist in or remain constant to a purpose, idea or task in the face of obstacles or discouragement. That's what it means to persevere. So, what do we learn from that? You can only persevere if you keep doing something when it's hard. So if it's easy to do whatever it is you're doing, that's not really persevering, because it has to have some difficulty attached to it. Now, is there anyone here who can relate to my running story? Is anyone here who started out wanting to do something only to stop? And is there anyone here who's brave enough to tell us what that was? Jackie. Eating, probably, getting off sugar and all those things. Yeah, Nathan has a huge problem with that, <coughs> just like to point out on his behalf. So, yeah, eating healthy can be hard and you'd start and then you go back to your old ways again. Anyone else? Vincent. Uh, sleeping for the morning. 
sleeping before one o'clock in the morning? So you have a plan to sleep before one o'clock and you... Nice. And, but you haven't persevered, so you go to sleep really, really late. So there you go. There are people in this room who haven't persevered, and maybe you have a story of where you haven't persevered and you don't want to share it, and that is okay. Now, have you ever noticed that we love to see people persevere? Think about little kids, for example. If you're on Facebook, you may have seen parents putting up all these clips of their kids doing amazing things like walking or talking or learning how to do a puzzle or dress themselves. And they're really excited because it took a long time to get to that point until they could actually do whatever it is they set out to do. I actually found a clip on YouTube which had a girl who was one and they showed a little time-lapse video of her learning to walk until she could walk really well. And over 1.8 million people have viewed that, which I think just shows how much we love to see people persevere. And we don't just see it with kids, but we see it in TV as well. Is anyone here like MasterChef? Put your hand up so I can see that I'm talking to people who know what I'm talking about. MasterChef, every week, if you watch it, I've never watched a lot of it, I've watched enough to know that each week people will go on, they have to cook certain things, have different challenges. Sometimes they cut themselves, sometimes their dish, their dish is a complete disaster. Sometimes they go into the elimination round and they risk, they get back in just, and they keep on going. And those people, when we see them become the master chef at the end, we're like, yeah, they're so good. And you watch their journey and it's amazing. We love that. Or who's seen the King's Speech? I love that movie about King George VI. King George VI had a bad stutter and couldn't actually even pronounce the letter K. And he was the king at a really bad time to have a stutter because it was when the radio had just been introduced. And so he had to speak not just to a room full of people as king, but to a whole nation. And so he had to persevere and work with a speech therapist to try and learn how to speak and to be able to give speeches without a stutter. And he actually gave his most important speech and did it successfully as a result of his perseverance on September the 3rd, 1939, which was the day that war was declared against the Nazis. So you watch that movie and you go, wow, we love watching him. You see his struggle and we see that he perseveres until he finishes what he set out to achieve, which was to deliver the speech. Now today, I have a little clip to show you on the screen of a man named Derek Redman. Derek Redman was the favourite to win the 400-metre sprint in the athletics in Barcelona in 1992. And I just want to show you a little clip of what happened in his race.
see the pain on his face, can't you? The pain not just of an injury, but of a broken dream. The pain of running in something with the hope of becoming probably an Olympic gold medalist. Is, his dream is just gone. And you can imagine that in that moment while he's walking, he's thinking about those times when he got up and he trained, probably from a young kid, days, the weeks, the months, and the years of training. And he was from England, so he trained in the cold as well. All of that that he did to try and get to this point in life to get a gold medal. And in just one small second with an injury, all of that is gone. Today, there are people here who are a little bit like Derek Redmond. You have had things that you have hoped for or wanted in life. And in a second, or in some situation, it feels like it's taken away. There are things in this, people in this room who have things that they have to persevere through. At the moment, your journey is hard and you might relate to the pain of having to go through something to persevere on the journey, just like Derek Redmond did. For some people in this room, perhaps you have a relationship that you are persevering through and it's hard work. Perhaps it's caring for a loved one. Perhaps it's studying or working. Perhaps you persevere through your job. Maybe the situation is not great. Perhaps it's exercising or eating healthy. Or perhaps you need to persevere in stopping something. Sometimes we need to persevere in not doing things. So things like smoking or drinking too much alcohol, judging other people, talking negatively, watching too much TV or being on devices for too long. Whatever it is that we're challenged to persevere through and give up, that can be hard as well. But each of us have a decision to make. Will we persevere and do those things that we need to do or give up on, or will we quit like I did when I was running? Well, today we're going to find out a little bit about perseverance from a guy in the Bible named Joseph. Joseph was, um, he lived in Genesis, oh, he didn't live in Genesis, he lived in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, way back at the beginning, just after the creation of the world. We see him in Genesis 37, verse 39 to 47. And I believe that his story will encourage each one of us today who are struggling and who need to persevere through something. Now, Joseph was um, the son of Jacob. Jacob had four wives and Jacob's wife, Rachel, was his favourite wife and Joseph was the son of Rachel. So Joseph was Jacob's favourite son and he wasn't particularly wise in how he went about being, uh, showing that he was his favourite son. He didn't keep it to himself but he decided that he would give Joseph a coat, an ornate coat that would show everybody how much he loved him which is a bad idea because he had 11 other sons, 10 of which were half-brothers to Joseph. And as a result of this favoritism towards Joseph, they hated him. And in Genesis chapter 37, verse 4, it says, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. And we're not told how long they felt like that about him. We don't know if it was from a young child. We don't know how long that went on for that he had to be, he put up with his brothers treating him so badly. But one day they'd had enough, so they decided that they would sell him as a slave. They're going to kill him, and they thought, no, we get nothing out of that, so we'll sell him. We'll get some money. So at the age of 17, 
Joseph was sold by his very own brothers as a slave and taken to Egypt. So he was taken away from his parents, from his youngest brother Benjamin, and everything he knew and went to a new country. Now once he was in in Egypt, where he was um, taken to, he was sold to a man named Potiphar. Now Potiphar was the captain of the guard. He worked for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So he was a man of high position. And Joseph was taken to him. And it says in the Bible that um, Potiphar was able to trust Joseph with everything that he did. His whole household was under Joseph's care. And he didn't need to worry about anything except what he'd eat and drink. But then we're also told in Genesis chapter 39 that Potiphar had a wife and his wife had noticed Joseph because he was well-built and handsome. And so, yeah, like my husband. Um, So, just had to add that because he told me to. Um, So, she noticed him and so she would repeatedly say to him to come to bed with her and she was very persistent. She persevered with asking, but Joseph was just as... Just as persistent in saying no and wanted to do the right thing by his boss. So he kept on saying no. But one day she said it to him again when there was no one else around and he said no and he ran out. But she grabbed his cloak and was ended up having his cloak. So she looked at this as an opportunity to get even with Joseph who kept rejecting her. So in Genesis 39, verse 14 and 15, she says, Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. Now, as a result of Joseph doing the right thing, he wound up anyway in prison because Potiphar was angry about this situation and threw Joseph into jail. So now we have Joseph... In, in jail for a crime he didn't commit. And while he was there, he met two men. He met lots of people, but two men in particular who were important in this story. And they had been people who worked for Pharaoh. Again, Pharaoh is the king of Egypt. One had been the cupbearer for Pharaoh. The other was the baker. And while they were in prison, they had a dream each, two different dreams. But they each had a strange dream and didn't know what they meant. And Joseph was able to tell them what it meant with God's help. And what he said happened. And so one of them was killed because that's what the dream had meant and the other one had been taken back to work for Pharaoh. And so they went and worked for Pharaoh. But before they went, Joseph said, hey, can you mention me to Pharaoh? Because that was a little bit of hope that maybe he could get out of jail for something that he didn't actually do wrong. But he forgot about Joseph and he stayed in prison longer again for a crime that he did not commit. Now, two years after this situation where he met the cupbearer and the cupbearer was let out of jail, Pharaoh had two strange dreams and no one could tell him what they meant. And so um, the cupbearer remembered Joseph and he said, oh, there's this guy in prison who told me the meaning of our dreams and they came true. So Joseph was brought before Pharaoh and he said, with God's help, what the dreams meant. And that was that there'd be seven years of plenty in the land, plenty of food, the crops would grow and be amazing, and seven years of famine. Now, because Joseph was able to give Pharaoh a really wise meaning, Joseph was made second in charge with everything that Pharaoh had. And so... That's a nice little part of the story, but still he hasn't met his brothers again. He hasn't been reunited with his family. If you don't know the story, you might want to know what happens next. So they've had seven years of 
plenty. Two years of famine have come, and now 10 of his brothers turn up in Egypt because they need food because the land where they come from has also been in famine and they come to get food. They don't recognize Joseph, but he recognizes them. And he doesn't tell them who he is at that point, but he sends them away with a test to bring back his full brother, Benjamin, um, so that he can make sure he's okay. Now, they go away and Jacob won't let them go back because he doesn't want to lose Benjamin. So it takes another two years before they need more food and he has, they have to return back to see Joseph in Egypt. And it's then that he tells them who he is. And then after that, he is then also reunited with his dad and all of them move to Egypt so they can be where there's lots of food and they can be looked after by Joseph. Now, it's pretty easy to look at this story and it fits on one little slide up there, nice condensed down version, and go, oh, that's nice. He, he went through some hard stuff, but what's the big deal? The big deal is this. He was 17 years old when he was sold as a slave. And then he was taken to Egypt at that age. And then between working for Potiphar and being in jail, it was 13 years. We know he spent at least two years in jail, but between the two, somewhere around 13 years. So he was 30 when he started working for Pharaoh. And then there were seven years of plenty. He still hadn't seen his family. He didn't know how they were going. Then he saw his brother. Then there was another two years of famine. Then he saw his brothers for the first time. And then they went away. And then they came back after another two years. And by then, he's 41. So when he, came, he saw his dad again, he was 41. So he went through a lot from 17 to 41 that he had to persevere through. And that's why we can learn a lot from Joseph today. And the thing that we see in the Bible about Joseph is this amazing fact, that in Genesis 39, verse 2, it says, the Lord was with Joseph. And then again, in Genesis 39, 20 to 21, it said, Joseph's masters took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was in the prison, the Lord was with him. Two times we see that, that we've looked at for today. And then even in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 7, verse 9 to 10, it says, but God was with him, talking about Joseph. God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. I believe Joseph knew that God was with him. He knew that God was with him and he knew he was looking after him. And as a result of that, his view of how things worked out in his life were um, changed with that information, knowing that God was there. In Genesis 45, 5 to 8, it says, And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves. This is Joseph talking to his brothers once he reveals who he is. The very brothers who sold him as a slave, this is what he says to them. So I'll start again. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there'll be no ploughing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of Egypt. So we can see that Joseph had this view where he knew God was with him and that God would work it out how he wanted it to and could do good out of these situations. So what is it that we need to learn from this? What we need to learn is if you are going through a hard time, that is that God is with you. 
I want you to think back to the clip of Derek Redmond just for a second. And I want you to think about the person who came out and ran out to help him. Now, without knowing that story, you might look and like I did, I thought, oh, that's his coach is allowed on to come and help him. But it was not actually his coach. It was his dad. It was his dad who ran on to get alongside him when he was struggling. It was his dad who got alongside him to support him and encourage him and to comfort him because his dad knew what he'd been through. His dad had been there while he trained and worked hard and his dad would know his dreams and hopes for the future. It was his dad who fought people off and told them to go away. When they tried to get Derek to, to quit and give up, he was the one who fought them off. And the Bible tells us that we have a heavenly father. And just like Derek Redmond's dad, he is someone who gets alongside us when we're in the journey and when we're struggling. He's the one who encourages us. He's the one who comforts us in a way that no one else can. He's the one who supports us. He's the one who runs to help us. He's the one who fights for us and helps us so we don't get discouraged. Have you ever had a situation where you've seen God work in your struggle? Have you ever had one of those times? Well, recently I have a little story to share with you from what happened recently with me. Um, I've had some stuff going on with my skin, so I have two skin cancers that need to be removed in February. And that doesn't seem like a very big deal. And for some of you, you've been through things much, much harder than that, and it's not, and that's okay. We all have our different struggles and things like that that we go through. These are the seventh and eighth skin cancers that I've had, and I'm 35, and all the doctors that I've been to, they always say, why do you have so many of these? And they never seem to understand why I have so many when I'm young. Now, as I said, that may not seem like a big issue, but to go alongside of that, there's this struggle, this battle, which comes back from the fact that we are in a spiritual battle. So Ephesians 6 verse 12 tells us, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so for me, that battle looks a lot like fear, really. I end up afraid and I get stressed, about, stressed out about what's going to happen in the future. If I've had seven and eight of these things already, what's going to happen in the future? What, what hope do I have that, that this is not going to continue or get worse in the future? And so I start to get really worried about all of that. And as a result, I don't enjoy going out to things like picnics. used to love them. don't like them anymore that much because I'm outside in the sun, the thing that I meant to stay away from, or parties, or going for a walk to the shops. Those things I sometimes struggle to enjoy because I'm not meant to be out in the sun. So I find it difficult. And the other night I was sharing some of this struggle with Nathan because I was having a bad few days about it. And um, I was talking to him and he prayed for me and that was good to have someone there to talk to. But I still was feeling pretty anxious about the whole thing. And so I thought, I'll change my thinking. That's, that's all I need to do. I'll change my thinking, I'll feel better because I'll focus on something else. So I thought, I'll pray for women's ministry and pray and ask God to speak to me about something for women's ministry. And as I prayed, I had the words, take my hand, come into my head. And I, well, that was not what I was expecting. But I wonder if that's from the Bible. So I'll have a look. So I like Google searches, Google search, put the words in, put Bible, and up came a verse from Isaiah, which was amazing. Isaiah 41 verse 13 says, For I am the Lord your God, 
He takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. And I love how God knows exactly what we need at that point. Even though I was trying really hard to focus on something else, he spoke into what the real need was that I had. And as soon as I heard these words, all the fear disappeared to do with my skin and I felt peaceful because God had spoken and God knew that I needed to hear that and be reminded. And so today, if there are people here who are going through a battle and have to persevere or going through some difficulty, God is saying the same thing to you. For I am the Lord, your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. So just as Derek Redmond had his dad there helping him cross the line, we have a God who comes and helps us in our journey. He's the one, as I said, who encourages us and helps us to keep on going. Now, there are people who are persevering through some stuff and it's hard and, and maybe that's what you needed to hear, that God's got you by the hand and he's helping you, so don't worry. And for some of you, God's right there to help you, but you're not really leaning on him. Like if Derek Redmond was running along, instead of turning and leaning on his dad, he pushed him away or something. Sometimes we do that too. So today, I believe the challenge for you is to do what the words were that I heard, take my hand. That God wants us to take his hand. Just as he holds our hand, he wants us to show the same feeling towards him. We want, he wants us to take his help as well and to lean on him. Some people today have failed. They had something that they felt they were supposed to persevere at, that God would have wanted them to persevere at, and you know it, and you didn't. And today, there's good news, because just like Derek Redman again, who even though he looked like he failed, his dad didn't go, oh my goodness, my son, hopeless, and leave the stadium. Instead, he ran to him, and it's the same with us today. When we fail, God doesn't push us away. He runs to us to help us and to show that he loves us, and his love doesn't change just because we failed. And some people today feel like it's too late to persevere. There's something they should have persevered in and they didn't. And so now they have these feelings of, I stuffed it up. I've wrecked this. I can't, I can't go back and fix that now. The message is the same. God doesn't leave you. He doesn't say, well, that's just too bad. You blew that opportunity. But he offers forgiveness and he offers a fresh start. And so today for you, maybe that's what you need to hear, that God is with you and he still says to you, I am your God. He takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. So today, I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward and I want to offer a time for people to receive prayer. So if you are someone who is struggling to persevere through something, something that you're going through is really hard or that you just find but you don't do very well at it, then I want um, you to be able to come and receive prayer today for that and have people get alongside you. As I said, when I was struggling the other day, Nathan prayed for me and that was really good and that was encouraging. So come and, and receive prayer for that. If perhaps you feel, though you, uh, feel as though you failed at something and you can get back up and start again, but you know you need God's help to do it and you know it's going to be hard, again, we want to pray for you today for God to help you persevere and keep going. And then for those who I mentioned who maybe feel like they've failed and it's too late to go back, we want to pray for you as well, 
because it's not too late in God's eyes to get free and to have forgiveness and to start fresh today. So I invite the worship team to come forward. And if that's something that I've said today has stirred something up in you, then I want to invite you to come forward. And perhaps you've never actually taken hold of God's hand at all before. And you're sitting in church thinking, well, I've never really done that. And today, I'd encourage you to do that as well for the first time. Take God's hand, hold on to it. And um, yeah, he won't let you down. He's with Joseph and he's been with me for 30 years of being a Christian and he will be with you as well. So let's pray and then, yeah, invite forward. Lord God, I thank you. Thank you that you love us and that you run to, uh, to help us when we need it. You are the one who supports us and sustains us. Thank you that you are the one who fights for us. And thank you that you love us. Thank you, Lord God, that we can be forgiven for stuff that we've stuffed up in the past, Lord, that you forgive us so freely and so easily because you just love us so much. So, Lord God, I ask that today that each person here will be encouraged as they go through life and as they go through this week and whatever they're facing and that we'll keep our eyes on you, that we'll keep focused on the fact that you are with us and that we won't be afraid or worried because we know that you will help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.